It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Good evening and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com and also now on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, September the 19th, 2021. And I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live with another great program. I'm here in New York City where the weather is gorgeous, and Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is with us right here from Austin, Texas, to make the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined by Kristen Storm, writer, social activist, and mental health therapist, co-founder and former executive director of Home Alive, and co-founder of If You Don't, They Will. This evening, Christian joins us to discuss her book, Empowered Boundaries, Speaking Truth, Setting Boundaries, and Inspiring Social Change. And also on today's program, Minerva and Ruben will join us from the Bay of Bandadas with another Mexico travel destination. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website. And the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight with all of the website links that we discussed on this evening's program. And you can also hear the podcast so the show ends by going directly to blogtalkradio.com, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash your golden years. And if you go to Apple Podcasts and do a little search for Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years, you can also find it there in five minutes after the show ends. Be sure to follow me on Facebook for upcoming shows and events at Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we will be joined by Christian Storm right here to discuss her book, Empowered Boundaries, Speaking Truth, Setting Boundaries, and Inspiring Social Change. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. 
Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmarakarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone is Christian Storm, writer, social activist, mental health therapist, and author of the book, Empowered Boundaries, Speaking Truth, Setting Boundaries, and Inspiring Social Change. Welcome, Christian. Mm, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for joining us this evening. And I just want to mention to you and also to the listeners that when we speak like this, there's a, a slight delay sometimes. So it's just good to keep that in mind. Um, so how are you this evening? You know, I am doing very well. I'm I'm coming in and talking to you from Seattle and it was a lot of oh, rain wow. and now there's a bit of sunshine and blue sky. So I'm enjoying that. Very nice. <laughs> so yeah. good afternoon. It's not this evening over there. It's the afternoon. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, Christian, before we go on to talk about your wonderful book, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background? Yeah. So I, the book came out of, uh, about a little over a decade of organizing and work with a, a bunch of other artists and musicians and friends. And um, we had started an organization called Home Alive after a friend of ours, a fellow musician and singer, she was uh, brutally raped and, and murdered. And mm-hmm. in the aftermath, um, for some of us, it was the first real major um, trauma. And for other folks, it was sort of like a series of like, that's just it's too much. And so we began, you know, talking and trying to, you know, figure out what to do with our collective rage and, and anger and um, pain. And we kept coming back to self-defense and boundary setting. We wanted to keep us and our friends safe. And so we started looking into programs and realized that a lot of them were really expensive. And, uh, and the messages that we were getting there were um, sort of inaccessible, right? There were uh, like a lot of rules that didn't really fit you know, we were, um, you know, bartenders mm-hmm. or bands and musicians for our tour out late at night or uh, people that are, you know, really working in alternative um, industries. And, and so we just started realizing we're just going to design our own curriculum and we're going to teach it. <laughs> we're just going to do this and like That's at a great. DIY. Yeah, so we just started doing that and then, um, you know, offering classes and we were in the music community. So we started doing fundraisers through, you know, arts and, and music shows. And then people started asking us to do classes for their groups. And then what happened is the the curriculum expanded over time to really have a core root of um, values. And then 
um, really be pretty versatile and flexible depending on who is going to be taking this information and shaping it for the context and the communities that they're in. I think one of the, the core tenets that came early on was that self-defense, boundary setting, and safety is going to look really different for different people in different communities at different times. And so there's no one right way, but here's a bunch of, of tools and information that is all also really, really, really grounded in all the brilliant and beautiful ways that people are taking care of themselves. We didn't mm-hmm. want to, one of the things that um, was really important is that the information or, you know, the the messages that we got were really fear-based. And we're like, I don't, I mean, we've already gone through a lot of traumas. We don't want to live in fear. We don't want to stop living our lives. But we do want to be able to protect ourselves and take care of our friends and our loved ones and the people in our world. And how can we do that with a lot of um, commitment and, um, you know, fierceness, but also a lot of fun and humor and not feel like we have to, you know, give that up in order to be safe. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that was a little know, bit of how we started <laughs> yeah, that's great. And um, I, I guess I, I, a lot of people are might be confused about what is a boundary. And um, mm. also, you talk, you you write a lot about this in the book. Um, how are boundaries political? I guess those are two separate questions, related questions. How what's the boundary, and how are they political? Right. Yeah, you know, um, I'll. I will get to the definition. I'm going to just back up a little bit that one of the things mm-hmm. when we started talking about boundary setting at Home Alive, one of the things that we really realized early on was that when people think of a boundary, they often think of a no, right? Like a line or a wall or sort of keeping people away um, or right. out. And that is really, really, really important. But I think um, the sort of boundary setting corollary to the self-defense, like, well, yes, we want to be able to protect ourselves and recognize you know, that we do live in a world that's violent, but we also want to be doing this so that we can have fulfilling, loving, thriving, beautiful lives in a world that is often really violent. And so with boundary setting, we began um, really sort of doing this deep dive into boundaries are also about a yes, right? They're not just a no. They're not just what we don't want. They're also what do we want. And Mm -hmm. that no and yes, both and um, my sort of rolling definition was like boundaries are actually like this, constant ever ever growing and shaping negotiation of who and how we are in the world and if that if we sort of hold that the boundaries are who and how we are in the world that is constantly evolving it's the political piece or the social um justice pieces that who and how we are in the world is uh, is political right like the, we, you know there's um uh institutional historical social uh, structures that inform and really shape not just like who, actually who and how we are in the world, right? Like when we would go to teach classes, if we're mm-hmm. uh, doing a class, or you know, the instructors, right? If it's um, if we are able-bodied and white and we have a lot of privilege, it's going to be really different than if we're working or teaching a class for young gay youth, right, at a transitional mm-hmm. shelter. And so, traditionality mm-hmm. or who and how we are in the world. Is, is part of how we set boundaries, but it's also part of everything about boundaries. So we can't really separate them out. There's not a, like a neutral right. way to set a boundary. Right, right. It reminded me, I was watching, uh, I watched a, a video today on social media. A young woman was taking the video, like a selfie kind of video with this guy just kept walking behind her and saying, just give me two minutes. Just talk to me for two minutes while he was like, saying pretty terrible things about her and she kept saying no 
I don't want to give you two minutes. Leave me alone. And he was like, he, like his expectation was that she owed him two minutes of her time for mm. him to, and, and the, that, you know, that came to me like, that's like a boundary that he's crossing that is just expected that because she's a woman, she should give this guy two minutes of her time to explain to her what bugged her about the way she was dressed. I think that's what it was about. Mm. Right. 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 Exactly. I think there's also this aspect of when we, when and how we negotiate our boundaries or set them can be really, really uh, political, really subversive. It might be very, we are stepping out of line, out of place. Um, we are demanding safety or, or space mm-hmm. uh, in environments or in worlds or in contexts that expect us to not do that. And so I think absolutely that's another way that um, thinking about boundaries and engaging in them and engaging in the practice is inherently political. Right. Social. Yeah. So, you, you know, when I came across your book, um, it was because I was searching for books about how to set boundaries because I came to the realization that one of the biggest issues I've seen with my own clients and have really noticed with myself, I think I've just like sort of discovered this thing about myself at 59 years old, um, that that's <laughs> how, <laughs> you know, that if this is a skill, setting boundaries is a skill and that we really haven't been taught, especially as a woman in this society, how to set a boundary. It's not that I have to work on my self-esteem or my clients have to work on their self-esteem necessarily. It's really about not having the actual skills and the training and, mm. and the ability to, to strengthen those skills. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so how, can you talk a little bit about how we, how we gain those skills? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that, that I always think of when we you ask that question is um, where we think about, you know, young girls growing up and really being taught, we have to, let's see, let me back up. <laughs> in mm-hmm. classes, one of the things that we start with is really slowing things down and asking people to think about or name uh, all the ways that they've set boundaries or engaged in self-defense that they maybe never even thought of as self-defense or boundary setting. And that's often a really challenging, difficult, uh, and emotional process. And it feels really important to do that first so that the foundation upon which we are trying new things out or learning new skills is already recognizing all the ways that people have been creative or tenacious or fierce or flexible and not even really seen it as a boundary and uh-huh. and then from there we can add more skills, right? And I think in the in the book there's an example of uh, when there was a bunch of young girls being assaulted uh, in, mm-hmm. in Seattle, and we were getting flooded with calls for self defense classes in, in all kinds of places. And I think uh, one of the things was there was so much fear and so much reactivity, and understandably so. But what was missing was while this was happening. And the, the assault kept happening. It was pretty, it was, you know, not a, uh, a great situation. But all these girls got away. They, like, right. they, 
after girl after girl, and one girl was assaulted. Uh-huh. Um, he finally was able to abduct her and assault her. She fought him the whole time. Um, like soon after she was assaulted, she got out of, I don't even remember all the details, but she fought him off, got away, um, got help, uh, and engaged in getting resources, and then was, you know, supporting other friends and, 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 um, and other people that were assaulted. And so really, we, we went in to do these classes. We're like, absolutely, we can teach you some skills. But first, can we slow things down and recognize these girls are anything but helpless? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were doing right. all kinds of things, you know. And so while we want to add, what we want to do is, is help them realize and recognize all the creative strategies that they were already engaging in in a world that had taught them to not have boundaries. And then mm-hmm. we can begin to add. Um, because I think otherwise we risk replicating this sort of expert, like, okay, now, now you've never set a boundary before, and now I'm going to teach you how to do it. And right. that just reinforces um, the message that we don't know how to do this. So Right. Um, right. Good and point. Then the, Good point. Yeah. You know, I think that feeling of helplessness is not, not only is it not realistic, but it's not helpful. Yeah, right. And it's real. I think there are situations where really horrible things happen and we have experienced and felt helpless and mm-hmm. and we might have been helpless to do the thing that we wish we were able to do. Like I think that is really real and um and being able to grapple with with that reality first the foundation is being like, Well, you're here. Right? You you made it. You're here. What did you do? Because you've done something. You've made it this right. far, uh, mm-hmm. and let's build on that. So that that's a really um, core piece of, of Home Alive, and also the empowered boundaries and the work that we were doing uh-huh. is really anything uh-huh. that we're going to build on. We're going to build on that, and then and then we then there's a lot of expansiveness. People can sort of pick and choose, like, oh, this I want to learn how to use my voice more, or you know, less, or I want to learn how to use physical skills, or um, then. Then there's a lot of um, expansive and spaciousness from which to, to practice and play around with various ways of setting boundaries. Right, right. What about, like, knowing what our boundaries are? Because sometimes, you know, in certain areas, we each have a different, you know, we each have different boundaries, right? And, mm-hmm. like, all of, mm-hmm. none of us want to be assaulted, but in terms of, Things, you know, not going, you know, that that's something that extreme. But in our relationships, we have different boundaries. How do we figure out yeah. what is right for us? Oof, oof, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, the um, part of why we start with asking people to think about the things they're already doing is also really creating this uh, capacity to really be sort of self-referential as we are incorporating and, you know, metabolizing and learning new skills that, mm-hmm. um, because from the outside, people are going to be setting boundaries in different ways and have different boundaries. And, um, and what might feel like a really big boundary crossing for one person, I'd be like, mm, that feels fine to someone else. Uh, and so right. it's, it's uh, a lot of it is our own information, right? Like, ooh, when you talk to me that way, I, it makes me feel small and I don't like it. Right, where someone else is like, it mm, doesn't matter if you interrupt me or, you know, raised voices don't even phase me. Um, and so the, it's, it's important to be thinking about, like, taking some of these skills and then really uh, thinking about 
when and how and where do I want to use them or when do they make sense for me? Because um, we are really different and, and everybody is going to have different ideas of what safety means to them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll practice saying this is how I would like to be talked to you or like, please don't, you know, yell, but that that's not necessarily because yelling is bad. Like, that's the example I'm using today, yelling. Um, or, you know, that that's uh, inherently a boundary crossing. It's just a way to practice um, naming something or practice these skills and then asking people to really think about. Um, and then what what uh, feels what feels good or bad to them. The other thing is that the messy thing with boundaries is sometimes we don't know we have one until it's getting crossed. Uh-huh. You know, like that's that, right. that is real. We're like, ooh, 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 that's a boundary. You know, and we have that. And then, but the thing about that too is, is we, if we start paying attention rather than like, oh no, I should have known or blaming ourselves, um, but really like, oh, this is the thing that happens in my body or this is how I feel when that happens, that lets me know that something has happened. Mm-hmm. That about, and so mm-hmm. then we can start paying attention to that when it comes up in other other contexts or other spaces. And we may need to set a different kind of boundary, but it lets us know. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, one of the things in, in terms of, like, doing research in this and reading all these books about boundaries, um, I I realize that it's also really important for us to know when we might be crossing boundaries that we didn't even know that we were doing. Um, yeah. So, for example, here in New York, and I grew up in New York, um, it's like a cultural thing to interrupt each other. Like, mm-hmm. like in fact, when people interrupt each other in the middle of a heated, you know, conversation, it shows us that they're really into it and they're really excited and they're really paying attention. Right. 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 You're listening. You're engaged. You're listening. <laughs> exactly. And it took me a really long time to realize that when I do that, when I'm in Texas with somebody who really isn't used to that, they feel very much like I'm crossing a boundary for them that I'm that I'm not listening, that I only want to talk. Right. And and right. so it's it was really eye-opening when I read, I read that it listed as a possible way that you cross boundaries is by interrupting people. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I, I get it now. So, like, that seems like a really important thing, too, to understand in order to have healthy relationships to know that, when, that we're doing it. Yes, right? I think just even, even – um, continuing to recognize like I am going to bump up or cross people's boundaries in all kinds of ways. And if we think about the boundaries being a negotiation, right, then it's really part of the ongoing skill is paying attention to what, what's happening in the context uh, and not kind of, there are times when in a context, it's like there's a clear kind of rule, right? Like, Oh, in this environment, like when I interrupt, right. Or I talk over, it doesn't go well. Um, but that's it's mm-hmm. still relational and contextual. It's not like this objective boundary rule because it shifts and changes. There are other contexts. I love it. Like you said, we're like, no, actually interrupting is like how you know someone is listening to you. And right. uh, so I think part of the boundary skills are not just learning like that self-referential, right? Like being able to pay attention like, ooh, this, I think that this, I want to change this boundary or I don't like how someone responded to my boundary. 
The other piece is we, it's, in, it's relational. It's paying attention to what is happening um, in our world, in our context, and interpersonally, right, and socially, and to get that kind of information. Right, and um, and then and then the boundary setting skill might be to check in and ask, or to you know sort of step back and get support, uh, or you know talk to to people and reflect on like I think that I might have crossed this person's boundary, and then we can you know begin to think about what we might want to do. But it's I think that you're right that piece of um, that it's about it's relational. So much of boundary mm-hmm. setting is relational. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's really important, though, what you said at the very beginning, that it isn't just about saying no. Because when people hear that, you know, I'm setting boundaries, they see it as like you're you're telling them that they're bad, that, that you know, these are my rules and you're, you're crossing them, rather than, no, mm-hmm. this is just how I feel and this is about establishing a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yes. There's so, mm-hmm. right, it takes the, the boundaries out of the sort of sense that you've done something bad. Right? I mean, there are times when somebody it has, like, you need to you know, right. not touch right. me that way. But, but also, there's lots of times where I'm like, mm-hmm, this is just information about how we can be together and engage. Uh, and the other, what were you, when, oh, when you were talking about the no, I think one of the, um, Sometimes I think there's it's in classes it was really hard sometimes for people to say no and learn that skill, but it was always really powerful the moments when people were playing around with yes boundaries and how challenging that was. You know, oh. to really think about you know, and, and the, the, I think they were challenging often in really different ways and sometimes in similar ways. But it's just that it's remembering that boundaries are not just about the no, they're about the yes and they're and that when someone is telling you their boundary, they're actually giving you information about how to be with them and that that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and sometimes it's a, you know, very clear, just, I don't want to talk to you about this. Back off. Um, that's right. Okay too. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I know you talk about this a lot in the book and I, I think this is a really big issue that I see and others and myself is the obstacle of having fear and insecurity about setting boundaries. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Ooh, feelings. Um, (laughs) There's all kinds of things that get in the way of us asking for what we want or, you know, saying what we don't want. And, you know, fear, guilt, shame, insecurity, anxiety, uh, messages that setting boundaries is bad or selfish, all kinds of things. And I think that part of boundary work is really being able to not just think about the boundary itself, but also what comes up when we think about, what, what comes up if we even begin to imagine setting a boundary, right? Um, and that part of boundary setting is being curious and attending to that, or we might set a boundary and then it's, how someone responds that shuts us down, right? But not necessarily setting the boundary itself. And so being able to recognize, oh, I can say I don't like that, but when someone's disappointed, whew, I give it all up, right? But right. That's, um, and so, right, and that's not the boundary itself, right? That might be, you know, it, but it's just all these other things that are around and in the field of boundary setting. And I think that really seeing that as part of boundary setting work 
um, one, I think it also helps us be able to recognize, like, oh, I can, you know, this part I can do or this part feels uh, accessible or comfortable or I feel, you know, in, you know, capable with that, but this other piece, whew, that, that's harder. And rather than sort of some total game of, like, oh, I'm either good or bad at boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All the various pieces. Because there's, there's a lot, right? There's, you know, our feelings. There's actually the skill of setting them. There's people's response. There's our response to people's response. Uh, and that's all happening, you know, in in context, right? Like in, you know, social uh, systemic context that are also shaping and informing all aspects of this. So it's, right, it's right. Messy. And I think it's a lot. It is, and I think that part is really, really difficult when we think. I think that's the biggest part. Uh, hardest part of setting a boundary is the fear of the response to setting that boundary. Like mm-hmm. that person won't like me anymore. They won't want to spend time with me. They're going to be angry. Um, how am I going to deal with that? Yeah, right. And if we're thinking mm-hmm. about it, like that is part of our boundary work, then it is, that, I mean, there becomes a sort of open question. I love it. Like how are we going to handle that? Like what? Um, and that's going to be really different for different people in different contexts. But the implication is like, oh, this is part of it. I, I do need to grapple with the fear of disappointing someone or the the mm-hmm. anxiety of uh, someone being angry in anticipation of setting a boundary. Right? Rather mm-hmm. than, okay, I need to not worry about that and just set the boundaries. Like, oh, this this is part of what's in the field that's coming up and we need to uh, actually work with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the reaction that people have is just to to the word boundary. So if you say, you know, I need to set this boundary with you, mm-hmm. people freak out. Don't set boundaries right. on me. <laughs> on me, totally. It's like you're doing right. something to them. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, nope, <laughs> I'm not doing anything to you. I'm talking about, you know, what I want or need or don't want or don't need. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's a really big one. Um, and I know you talk a little bit about this in your book and how how does, you know, the, the self-care of sen- um, setting boundaries translate to community care or social mm-hmm. activism and change? Yeah, such a great question. I One of the things for like in the very beginning with Home Alive in the self-defense classes and then with the boundary setting was it's a both and, right? Like we really need to be thinking about our own individual selves in terms of what we need to be safe, what we need to protect ourselves, what we need to, to set boundaries and say yes and no, and to really keep interrupting a very individualistic approach to safety and self-defense that says in a broad way, like we're all in this together, Right? Like that my mm-hmm. safety is important, but also it's, um, it's not an isolation, right? whether that's recognizing the variety of ways that women are surviving violence or um, the ways that trans folks are being targeted, right? Like uh, different communities are facing different shapes and forms of violence. Um, and we can't kind of, um, I think that's just a lot of like individualness with safety. And then also recognizing these links between if we think about like what safety and self-defense and boundary setting mean, that in we've gone and done different classes where for some folks uh, really being able to have 
and negotiate um, boundaries in one context is important. And then for other folks, it was saying, like, our biggest safety concern right now, we talk about this in the book, is, is systemic, right, violence or the ways that um, we are having inadequate access to health care. And, yes, we need to be, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about our individual safety, but we don't see these as two separate issues, right? Um, uh, sort of the same way in the beginning of Home Alive we talked about, you know, people using self-defense skills, and then it's like, well, I'm glad that I'm using these self-defense skills, and then they go home and shut my door, and people are saying, you know, lock, lock your doors, shut your windows, and I'm like, I lock my door, and the person that's hurting me the most is locked inside with me, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do we think about, like, domestic violence? Right, and, and then the root sort of social causes of that. And so it's, there's a lot of tendrils, and I think there's a lot of organizations and community groups doing this work in a number of different ways. And part of the Home Alive and the Empowered Boundaries is really saying, let, let's just introduce this, uh, like it's a value, and a, a value and a core tenet of it, and then how people are going to be really making the links between individual and community and communal safety are going to be really different depending on how they're dropping in and the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Home Alive is the group that you started to kind of teach self-defense and boundary setting. Um, mm-hmm. what, is, what is If You Don't, They Will? Yeah, If You Don't, They Will is a, a Seattle-based collaboration that supports communities responding to uh, encountering white nationalist organizing. Mm. And that was a, a group that came out of, or a partnership, it's like there's two of us, uh, that came out of our, my work with the Northwest Coalition for Human Dignity. Uh, and I worked there after I was at Home Alive. Um, and they were a six-state um, coalition supporting communities in rural and suburban areas that were countering white nationalist uh, assaults and white nationalist okay. organizing in their community. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Another important way to stay safe. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's like this is another boundary setting. It's another way of setting boundaries um, in these communities and saying no, you know, not ever. It's a it's an art show that we did. Uh, highlighting all the different ways that communities had said no to uh, white nationalists organizing in their communities. I was like, this is Boundary uh-huh. City. And then both the no and the yes, where they said no to white nationalism, but yes to arts and community and vibrant ways of supporting one another and mm. being, being safe. You know, so that was another beautiful example of both individual and communal and political uh, boundaries that were both the no and the yes. Right. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Um, you know, before we go, can you also talk about your counseling services? Um, yeah. Um, what do you want to know? I, I, well, I've been a therapist you, for a while and I love it. You, you described it as strength-based, embodied, and politi- politicized approach to therapy, integrates anti-racist, an anti-racist approach. So what, what is that? How is that different than most psychotherapy? Mm. I think uh, the, the one of the biggest differences is uh, there's no assumption of sort of like objective or neutrality. And it's saying like we, we live in social, political, economic context that inform mm-hmm. everything uh, and that our healing is happening in these contexts and who and how we are in the world shapes 
what, what, how we're going to heal, what healing looks like, uh, what we're going to need to engage in healing work. And so really, I think, being grounded in that. Uh, and then also, I think, just a core value of commitment. Like, I think there's a commitment of accessibility. There's a commitment to, um, even if we are working around, you know, we never sort of necessarily overtly engage in anti-racist political conversations as part of therapy. It's, like I said, sort of said, like, it's in the field, and we, it is part of how we're grappling with, you know, uh, setting boundaries at work or dealing with depression or dealing with some childhood trauma, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. not a separate thing. I think that's right. Okay. Okay. So, so are you mainly, are you only seeing people in the, uh, in the Washington state area or can you, since I saw that you have gone to telehealth COVID, are you able to see people out of state or is it just within that license? area you know i i do see because i've done a lot of work over the years with um artists and musicians and people that are like on tour a lot i have consistently worked with people outside of the immediate seattle or washington area uh, in a variety Mm -hmm. of ways and telehealth has just deepened that so yeah okay short answer yes okay great okay because we have listeners all over the country so you know that's good for them to know um yeah how would how would listeners find out more about you about your counseling services about your book how to how to purchase your book all of that what's what's what are the ways for them to do that (laughs) the right i think all of that is on my website and that's christianstorm.com uh, and okay. I can spell it if you want. It's E-R-I-S-T-I-E-N storm, S-T-O-R-M, dot com. Okay. Uh, and then there's okay. also a, a website for Empowered Boundaries. So, but that's, oh, a that is also website. on my site. Okay. Yeah, there's a separate okay. website, but I think there's a, there's a link on mine. So if you just go to christianstorm.com, that should Point you, there's also a, um, okay. some information on that for about if you don't, they will, and other other projects that I've been involved in. So that's the okay. main hub. Great. Okay, great. So I'm going to post on my website posts about this evening's show. Um, so if people didn't have their pen and paper ready, they could just go to my website and it'll be there. They could just click on it. Great. Thank you. I L- appreciate Later that. tonight. Yeah. So thank you so much for for coming on to the show this this evening this afternoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really appreciate it, and I'm really enjoying the book. I think it's I think it's a great guide for for people in this area. Um, it goes mm-hmm. a lot more into detail than I've seen anywhere else. To be honest with you. Wow. Well, so, thank you so much. For having me, and I'm so glad that you are that the book is helpful and uh, a resource and providing some good good stuff. That was, that yes. was the hope. Yes, and um, and let's stay in touch. I'd love to hear more about what you're doing and the projects that you're doing. Absolutely, absolutely, and thank okay. you for all your work and everything that you're doing. Okay, thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a. You have a very good evening.
All right. I will. I will. And I'm going to keep enjoying the brief Seattle yeah. sun. Enjoy the weather there. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Good night. Take care. You too. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worry about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the facts. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. And being away from my usual place to do the show, I had a moment there at the beginning where I couldn't find the what I wanted to let you know about our sponsor, A Mighty Good Time. So I'm going to let you know right now. Um, a Mighty Good Time is a place where you can find really wonderful activities virtually and in person um, to do after the age of 50. And it's free to search, free to post, and much more. Um, you can find virtually anything to fill your days with others in your age group. So be more active and start filling your days, especially at a time when we are doing most things online, and go to amightygoodtime.com, and that's amightygoodtime.com. Okay. Um, So before we go to Mexico to hear about another Mexico destination, I just want to talk for a couple of minutes. I'm not going to talk very long um, because uh, I am out of town and I, it's a little harder to do it here. But I just want to mention um, in the face of severe challenges. And I talked a lot, I've spoken a lot about realistic optimism and which I think is very important. Um, realistic optimism is knowing that we can handle, we can find a way to cope with things even if they go wrong. Um, but, but just the basic optimism, looking for the signs that are hopeful in really difficult situations, not only relieves our own stress, which is really important for, to be able to handle the situation dealing with the stress, but it gives us the motivation and the energy to do everything possible we can do to increase the likelihood of a positive outcome in the situation. When we give up hope, we tend to stop trying. And it's, even if there's a tiny um, chance for a positive outcome, and we really want that positive outcome, then we shouldn't stop trying. So having hope and really focusing on that can be really, really helpful. And um, there, I found some information from several groups that talk about hope. 
Um, Hope can bring us joy and peace in the midst of turmoil. They write, it can give us courage, strength, and boldness instead of fear. It can provide endurance and patience instead of tempting us to quit, which is what I was just talking about. Um, Hope can offer confidence in the face of doubt, and it can help to motivate us to get up and seize each day and not just go through the motions with no expectations of change. Hope can keep us positive in an oftentimes negative world. And that's actually from the Salvation Army. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important. And I think, you know, living in a time where there's a lot of difficulty and a lot of um, things and a lot of people have given up hope. But I think that hope is really important. It's even if the even if the chances of things turning out are not very high, even if there's a little chance that can keep us going and um, helping us to do things to really turn things around and at least give us the courage and strength to keep going. All right. So on that note, we're going to go, we're going to take a little trip to Mexico. We're going to listen to a little bit of music by our producer, Art Mendoza, about Mexico. And then we're going to go to Ruben and Minerva in Bay of Vendettas, Mexico, who are taking us on another little Mexico excursion. Online and everything is good. 
Great. So now it's time to get back to work here. <laughs> and where are we going today? Um, Chetumal. Chetumal is a city on Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula and is the capital of Quintana Roo with a population of 169,000. Chetumal has an elevation of 33 feet. Temperature and humidity is very similar to Puerto Rialta, where 80 degrees in the norm. There are several places to visit, like the Maya Museum, the Sao Paulo Obispo, the Manati Sanctuary, and more. There are also many great restaurants, like Almina, El Taco Loco Chetumal, Café del Puerto, and great hotels like Fiesta in Chetumal, Mayan Secret Hotel Boutique, Capito Plaza Hotel, all under $60. Wow. So there are so many places to see in Mexico, and this doesn't disappoint. So what's happening there in San Pancho? It's been hot, but it's raining a lot the last week. Yeah, and they also integrated a new bowl in the skate park. It's really cool. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. How's COVID doing down there? Well, it's elevating the, mm. the like the numbers, and it's all closing earlier, but we're doing fine here. Okay. We well, are safe. Yeah, stay safe. All right. Yeah. Until next time, adios. Until next time, adios. All right. So now, before we get knocked off the air here, let me let you know what's coming up. Next Sunday, September 26th, we'll be playing an encore of one of our recent favorites, and then we'll be back live the following Sunday. So follow me on Facebook to find out who will be on the show the following Sunday. It's to be announced. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and get the information, website links that we discussed on the program, go to my website later tonight, and all of that will be there. The podcast will be there, all the information, drmaracarpel.com. You can also hear the program five minutes from now, um, beginning five minutes from now, and then forever at blog talk radio, B-L-O-G talk radio.com slash your golden years and also on Apple Podcasts. And for upcoming shows, like I mentioned, and for upcoming events, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions and sponsored by amightygoodtime.com. Special thanks to my guests, Christian Storm, Minerva and Ruben in Bay of Bandadas. And of course, thank you to Art. Thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring couple of weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.
guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.